hour two of the game. The game after work. I'm going to go ahead and scratch the game after dark for now. Uh, because, what was it, Friday we didn't have a show. And I was uh, in my car. It was 5.07. I was like, hey, it's not dark outside anymore. So no reason to say the game after dark anymore. Back we go to normalcy. Yeah. In another 250 days, we can get back to it. Five three seven thirteen fifty is the number if you want to give us a call. Talk a little Jayhawks. Talk some cats at five twenty five. Uh, of course, we're going to talk Casey here in just a moment. I love. Uh, I think is tonight coaches versus cancer. Yes, it is. It's uh, suits and sneakers. Um, and uh, I tell you what, I saw the tweet about that and the shoes that'll be worn by Coach Tang and the staff. And they are Nike Dunk High Retro. And it was Austin Carpenter from the from the men's basketball staff that was like, listen, hey, before you even ask, I'm gonna I'm just gonna tweet the um, tweet the website where you could just go buy these shoes, which they're purple nice. and black, they're high top Nikes. And I'll be honest with you, I I don't really have great shoe game. Uh, I'm very simple when it comes to fashion. I kind of have my ways. I've thought about getting a little bit more into the shoe game. Not too crazy. Just maybe step up the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Jesse, uh, who's a fan of the show and uh, works on the scorer's table there at the games on the replay stuff. And uh, he, he's the only one on the scorer's table that has any shoe game. Oh. I was like, you know what? You know, Maybe somebody else needs to you know, add a little bit more flavor to that table. I might have to start with these Nike Dunk High Retro. They are sweet shoes. I love purple and black together. Now, the price tag is $125. Uh-huh. Now, if you're me, you know, money's not enough. It's no big deal. So, you know, a buck 25 on a couple of sneaks. Think I could pull that off. Now, if you want if you got to if you're going to step up your game, you got to be willing to pay the money to do so. You're not going to all of a sudden turn around your game by buying, you know, $50 vans. That's probably <laughs> not going to do it. You mean I can't revert to my Chucks? No, I think you could. Well, problem see, is, is Chucks are double what I paid for them when I, when I first got to college. As I say, I want to step on my game. It's not like my knowledge of shoes are that great either. So I'm not the one to ask those qu- kind of got questions. It. Okay. Um, but, you know, if, if retro look is back and is in style, I would imagine you could probably roll with that. It's amazing how many cycles Chucks have made it through. I just don't think, you know, the, the you know the white New Balance, very popular shoes would, would you know, you'd be able to roll with those if you want to step up the game. Shout out to my dad. Thank God mine aren't all white. <clears throat> They're not? No. I thought they were. Nope, they got blue on them. Also, white shoes are big. And I, I just... And most of the white shoes I see, they're pretty much all white. I don't know if I can roll that way. That That's really not my type. <laughs> I need a little bit of style with it if I'm going to go all in on this. All right, again, it's hour two of the game. Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. Buck 25, and they have my size. I might have to do it. You know, treat myself, you know? Mm-hmm. I can wear the – well, actually, I don't know if I could wear them to the game. I'm supposed to wear we actually just got our brand new uh <laughs> we got our new Big 12 shirts. Uh-huh. For the season. Okay. The last game. 
on Saturday against Texas Tech. So I get you know five or six more games to wear. As a matter of fact, I'll actually be missing a couple because of the first baseball trip. So I get like four games <laughs> to wear the new shirt. But, uh, of course, that's to be neutral because you're working on the scorer's table. Right. But does shoes matter? It's a great question. If anybody at K-State Athletics is listening right now, you want to text me, do the shoes matter? Can I wear purple shoes? Is that all right? Let me know. Because I might be wearing purple shoes very soon to Bramlage Coliseum. The Cats are not playing in Bramlage Coliseum tonight. They're in Ames, Iowa. Number 5 Cats, number 12 Iowa State. Hilton Coliseum, I looked it up. It is sold out. It is going to be a packed Hilton Magic tonight. It will be the rowdiest environment that K-State has played in this season. But can the Cats get it done tonight? There's only one way to find out other than watching the game. It's by the the prediction tonight from Mitch Palm. Here's Mitch Palm with tonight's prediction. Oh my God, where to start? Well, I'll start with the uh, line tonight. Iowa State is favored by five points. Vegas knows that Hilton Coliseum is what it is. Hilton Magic, one of the top three hardest places to play in the Big 12. Cats are number five at 17-2, and 6-1 in the Big 12. After wins over KU and Texas Tech at home, Iowa State number 12 in the country, 14-4 with a 5-2 record, so they're tied for... Uh, second place but they've lost two of the last three they were stunned on Saturday by Oklahoma State 61-59 they do have wins over North Carolina Baylor and TCU when they beat North Carolina the Tar Heels were number one in the country and they beat Texas number seven at the time at home last Tuesday 78-67 here is Bullet point number one for tonight's game, and that is injuries. Of course, K-State is now at full strength with David Gasson available. A couple of injuries have added up, though, for Iowa State. Jazz Koontz, who comes off the bench, he's a 6'8 senior forward. He's actually been out since mid-December with a broken finger. Now, as Randy Peterson told us in the first hour, scheduled to return soon, but probably will not play tonight. Averaging 8.5 points, shooting 36% from three-point range, is out tonight. Now, against K-State last year, he did burn the Cats in Ames with 19 points. He was 5 of 9 from 3. Burning the Cats last year from 3 in Manhattan was Caleb Grill. And according to Randy Peterson from the Des Moines Register, he will be doubtful tonight with a back injury. I forgot to ask him if it's karma for undercutting Dylan Mitchell in the Texas game. The dirtiest play I've seen in college basketball this year. He is the third-leading scorer with 10.3 points a game. As Randy said, he's the most he's the most athletic player for Iowa State, and he's their best three-point shooter at nearly 38%. That's on the season in league plays up to 42.2%. He scored 18 points against the Cats last year, all on three-pointers. He's also tops of the team in minutes per game at 32 and a half. And again, he is not playing. Tonight. Now, who will play is Gabe Kalsher, 6'4 senior guard, second year with 
the Cyclones after transferring in from Minnesota. He has really upped his game in Big 12 play. He's up to 18 points per game, which is in the top 10 of the conference, having 3.1 rebounds per game. But his shooting from outside has really stepped up. In his career, 32%. In Big 12 play this year through seven games, 46.7% from three-point range. That is the best in the Big 12 in conference play so far. And in non-conference play, Kalsher was 27% from three. What is going on with Gabe Kalsher? Why is he all of a sudden shooting extremely well from three-point range after mediocre work previously? That is a question I cannot answer. All that I do know is major factor tonight. Also, you know, St. Bonaventure transfer Jaron Holmes, by the way, also shooting a lot better in Big 12 play. 43% 43% from the field as a guard, and he's uh, 11.5 points, 3.5 assists per game. Now back to the three-point shooting just as the teams. This is based on Big 12 play. Tonight we will see the top two teams in both three-point offense and three-point defense against each other. In three-point offense, Iowa State's the best at 40.3%. A little bit of a dip to K-State at number two at 36.8%. But really, you can kind of flop that when it comes to the margin and three-point defense. K-State's number one in the Big 12. They're the best at guarding the three at 30 at, at 26%. Iowa State is holding teams to 30% from three-point range. This game could honestly come down to who is the more efficient team from three-point range? Who does the better job of getting their shooters open? giving them time to shoot, and who does a better job of defending the perimeter, closing out on three-point shooters, which K-State, in my opinion, I think it's been clear that they have, even though they've been good, they have stepped up their game on closing out, and not just to contest the three-point shot, but not to even allow the three-point shot to take off from the shooter's hands, and the possession continues. Now I also want to jump to defense because Iowa State is forcing a turnover rate of 28.4% of offensive possess- or opponent's possessions. Now, that's kind of a weird statistic, right, to pull that out, is forcing a turnover on 28.4% of opponent's possessions. That is the best in the entire country. They are fifth in the nation at forcing 18.89 turnovers a game. Plus, Iowa State holds teams to, you know, pretty much lower point totals than the average. For the first time in their program's history when playing in Big 12 play, Iowa State has held their first seven conference opponents to 70 points or less. TJ Otzelberger is a defensive coach. And right now in Big 12 play, allowing 61.3 points per game. Now, rebounding is also a factor because uh, you know K-State needs to do a lot better on the glass. Defensively holding teams off the offensive glass, Iowa State's second best in rebounding offensively. K-State allowed 23 offensive boards by Texas Tech. Luckily, K-State's done a pretty decent job defensively of keeping teams away from second-chance points. Now, I hope this is an area that K-State can take control of tonight, and that is tempo. K 
can K-State make Iowa State play at their tempo? Because that could be major tonight if K-State's able to do so because Iowa State is going to slow it down. They are not going to run up the floor. They're going to use the shot clock. They don't have the most possessions per game. It's really not even close. Iowa State, according to Ken Palm, is 307th in the country in tempo. K-State's 89th in the country. They obviously like to speed it up a little bit more, push it up the floor. The only time Iowa State's going to push it up the floor is if they get a steal towards half court and they get a run out. Or if they have a two-on-one. You know, that's an obvious reason. But that's honestly just about it. Iowa State is not a fast-break team. They are 323rd in the nation with 5.8 fast-break points per game, which is big for K-State because we've seen K-State not do so well at times at stopping the fast-break. That shouldn't be an issue tonight. To me, the keys are very simple. Attack. Iowa State will foul you. And K-State's been a pretty decent free-throw shooting team this year. Iowa State, not as solid, 65%. So if they do try to take it inside, which they have been a good team at scoring from two, contest the shots. If you foul, you foul. But if you do foul, make it a good foul. Don't make it so easy where they can easily score and get an and one. Rebounding is a key as well. And going back to the three-point shot, knocking them down. The superstars have to step up, and the shooters have to be open knock down the easy shots. A lot of good things said about Iowa State. Ken Palm giving K-State just a 31% chance of winning tonight. 69-63. But it was a week ago when K-State fans stormed the floor, beat KU in overtime, and Jerome Tang told us expect to win. I don't think he was just talking about KU. I'm just expecting to win. K-State's now the fifth-ranked team in the country, and they absolutely deserve that ranking. 17-2, the best start by a first-year head coach in Kansas State history. And when it comes to the history of college basketball, Jerome Tang is off to one of the best starts ever for a first-year head coach at the Division I level. So I expect K-State to win and figure out a way, because this is a resilient team, to figure out a way like they've done many times this year to win a game. It's going to be a hostile environment, the most they've seen all season long. Just don't let Iowa State control the game. I'm picking the Cats. 54% chance in a low-scoring mid-60s game, 66-64. to 64. Troy, do you want to take this time to give us a, your two cents on tonight's game? My concerns have to do with the fact that Hilton is such a different beast for whatever reason. You know, we joke about, and I've said it about other places, strange things. Strange things happen in Ames. Whether it be football or basketball season, strange things happen in that place. And I'm hoping that tonight, K-State doesn't get stung by that. I mean, I mean, Iowa State had a better team than K-State last year. The Cats managed to win one in overtime last year in Ames. I think they've won two in a row in Ames. For some reason, that's just been a place K-State's been able to pull off close victories. Bruce Weber finished with a winning record in Ames, Iowa. I'm not for sure, but I thought I read that. I'm going to take the Cats with a close win. I think they certainly cover five points. But then again, you know, K-State had laid a couple of eggs, a couple of rough ones. Butler... 
which I don't know how crazy that environment was, but it seemed like it was a good environment on TV. And then, of course, the game at TCU where I thought there was a lot of empty seats. But TCU was hot that day, used their talent, Mm -hmm. and got out and run. Got out and ran. And the transition points was just a killer. And if you need any further explanation of how good TCU actually is, well, you got an example on Saturday in Lawrence. Yeah, and uh, well, actually, hold hold that thought. Hold that thought because I do want to touch on Kansas when we come back, and why they're lose, why they've lost three in a row. Just the fourth time under Bill Self, they've lost three in a row. What's up with the Jayhawks? Give you a couple of thoughts next. I saw the look of confusion <laughs> on your face, trying to figure out just what the track was. I love it. It's when Billy Squire went soft. <laughs> Hey, uh, I've heard this forever. Before we get too deep into the next segment, uh, baseball Hall of Fame announcement for the class. Go ahead. It's one guy. Oh yeah, Scott Rowland is in. Todd Helton, who should be, missed by eleven votes. I can't remember. I don't know if it's Royals Review that put out this article. Should Dan Quisenberry be in the Royals Hall of Fame? In the Royals Hall of Fame, yes, absolutely. Hmm, okay. There isn't much else to say. The man kind of set the tone for what the bullpens became in many ways in terms of usage over time. Do you, When you hear this song, do you not just want to skip around the room? No. No. <laughs> the video creeped you out in other words but is it, what you're telling me it didn't creep me out i just remember the story on and what happened to billy squire after this music video yeah it just kind of ruined his reputation as you know a hard rock yes artist yes and he's dancing around and what was it like a bedroom or something mm-hmm. there's a bed and it just he had gone soft Someone made a bad judgment in terms of how to handle... How to betray him. Yeah, and how to handle the video, yes. It's Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale, the game here on K-Man, and we wrap up at 6 o'clock, and we'll bring you uh, pregame coverage of the Cats and Clones at 7. Online only tonight is uh, Manhattan Boys and Emporia. They are at home, and they will tip off at approximately 7.30. The Jayhawks have lost again. Last last night, 75-69 to the Baylor Bears, another top 25 matchup. And you know, after losing two games last week, lost to the Cats by one and then just throttled at home to TCU by the final of 83 to 60. They dropped seven spots to number nine in the AP poll. But now they've lost three in a row, and it's just the fourth time under Bill Self that they've lost three in a row to drop to now a regular season record of 16 and four. And five and three in Big Twelve play. You know, if it was anybody else, if it wasn't Case uh, KU and it was anybody else, it's a pretty damn good record. Mm-hmm. You're in a pretty decent spot. Still a lot of work to do, but not too shabby. You're on your way to postseason play, probably. For KU, this is like, well, time to make a coaching change. This Hall of Fame guy isn't so Hall of Fame anymore. I think there's a lot of things you could point at to be like, well, KU's now playing like this. KU's playing like that. 
honestly, I you know the more you ask Jalen Wilson to do is more of an issue than it is a, a positive. Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick have been playing excellent basketball. Meanwhile, KJ Adams, who is usually a double-digit guy, has had a pretty rough last couple of games. K-State was good in the first half. Okay, let me rephrase that. In the last three games, he's had one good half. The last five have not been good. Dewan Harris is not performing well in clutch positions. And in short time, he's not making plays for KU. I was surprised to see Kevin McCuller finish last night with a double-double. Because I was working while the game was playing, so mm-hmm. I was kind of, you know, paying attention to half the time. And every time I was turning and watching, and Kevin McCuller was not playing well. And I think he was he was 3 of 9 last night, 0 of 3 from 3. But he still finished with 14 points and 12 rebounds. And also, KU's bench is not giving them anything. Hardly. That's been the most surprising to me, is that there is nothing in terms of contributions coming off of that bench. I mean, we know from the last couple of years of Bruce Weber that the Cats had a couple of guys, but the depth was not there. Mm-mm. Once in a while, you would get a big game once in a while. You know, Luke Kasupke, if he knocked down a three, that was pretty big. If he can knock down a three or two for you. But KU, we, I mean, I mentioned it in Mitch Palm going into the KU game last week. KU has is one of the worst benches in the country when it comes to production, scoring. And yet it it, it shouldn't be this way. And I'm going to bring up a, I don't know, how much are you into plus minus? Not a great amount, but I understand it. Well, I mean, Jalen Wilson scored 30 points against TCU, and his plus-minus was minus 22. Ouch. That Ouch. Is, that is wild. That is an unbelievable disparity. Jamie Dixon should not be out coaching or out playing Bill Self and Allen Fieldhouse. Depth is a pretty big issue. Like, Bobby Pettiford, uh, Joseph Yesufu, Zach Clements. I think MJ Rice played last night. Doesn't scare me one bit. I mean, it feels like they're just simply put into the game to give their starters rest. It is all starters, production-wise, from Kansas. I mean, KU is averaging now, I think, less than eight points a game from the bench. It's really hard to win in this league when you don't have depth. Mm -hmm. And it's as shocking as it is, KU just does not have much depth. And the more you ask from Jalen Wilson is really telling you the story that he's got to step up because not a whole lot of others are doing much. Grady Dick has been doing a great job lately with, okay, so the three ball maybe not falling as much. He was he was two of eight from against TCU. Last night he was really good. He was really good. That and what a break that is to have a freshman come in and just be just a slingshot with knocking down threes. See, last night he was two of five. So that's even below average. That's honestly below mm-hmm. average for Grady Dick, but he still managed to score 24 points. It's it's crazy that, that KU does not have any depth. Besides the fact, though, that Grady Dick is giving you what he is scoring, he's a defensive liability because he's still a freshman. Let's be perfectly honest there. Yeah, he, he has picked up a lot of – in the last three games, yeah, his fouling mm-hmm. 
has just been these bumps where he's maybe getting beat a little bit he, he's and on learning. the way to the hoop. He's yeah. learning, and he's having to learn on the fly because there is no opportunity for self to truly take him out of the game. Well, and another reason why KU is struggling, I think, and this is weird to even see this happening, but they do not start games well. Mm -mm. They do not come out and deliver a punch. That was a big key of mine. It's like K-State cannot allow KU to start well in the first half or second half, and to start games, they suck. Here's a big issue, because KU, more times than not, and we've seen it a ton this year, they respond well after being down double digits. It's Kansas, and maybe pressure is put on you know, Baylor. You know, They're playing at home. They're playing against Kansas. Maybe the name on the jersey is a bit intimidating. I don't really think it is for Baylor. I'm just kind of using it as an example because KU did bounce back and take the lead at one point. But after they're down to Baylor by 13 in the first half, they're down to TCU uh, 31-13, and they don't bounce back there. But they are down to K-State halfway through the first half by 14. They come back. But their biggest leads, their biggest lead against K-State was two points. Their biggest lead against Baylor last night was one point. They do a good enough job with their starting five to even it up. But they haven't figured out to take the next step, especially lately, of, okay, you made this big comeback, now how do you build a lead? And then we've seen multiple times now where, okay, they've taken the lead, Guess what? Baylor jumps right back out to an eight-point lead. It just it's it's very weird to see these kind of things add up. This is also again where the lack of bench play hurts them dramatically because of all of the energy that they're having to expend coming back in ball games just to get back even. Not even take a lead, but just to get back even. The energy that it takes to do that, well, that takes its toll deeper into the ball game and if you don't have bench contributors then you're going to find yourself back down in a hole very quickly yeah and to me like you know on a k-state show with ku struggling and losing three games in a row after being down double digits and clawing their way back except for the tcu game they just got their butts kicked this is all very relevant because k-state plays there in a week yeah now i'm sorry coach tang i am looking ahead a, a little bit here but if K-State, you know, finds a way to win tonight in Ames, Iowa, or wins convincingly, however it's done, if they just get the W, and I, I, I mean, I do predict right now that K-State can beat Florida. That's going to be a very emotional game for Keontae Johnson. But if K this week can't get it done now at Kentucky, man, you're talking about K-State going into Allen Fieldhouse as a favorite. And with a great shot at pulling off the victory, which hasn't been done since 2006. Question for this weekend's game in Lexington. So if a fan shows up carrying a sign that says, please go to Texas, which coach are you referring to? With Bill Self being in the in the house? Well, yeah, because you've also got Calipari, who the sign was actually meant for originally. Right. Yeah, but would it be a KU fan thinking that about Bill Self? No. That was a good try. Thank you. But uh, fortunately, that's a swing okay. to miss. Okay, all right. All right. Uh, let's see here. Okay. When we come back, let's get to a number one song of the day. It's uh, it's for a birthday boy. Not one of us, but the artist. 
celebrating a birthday today. That's next on The Game. Going back to the last segment, I just want to make it clear that I do not feel bad for KU. As a matter of fact, I really enjoy it. Just rare to see this struggle. It has been a while. Especially with the game in Allen Fieldhouse coming up very soon. I'm telling you, there's a chance. There is a chance. From 1970, happy birthday, Neil Diamond. His song, Cracklin' Rosie, one week at number one. Play it now, play it now, play it now, my Singer-songwriter from Brooklyn, New York. He went to the famous Erasmus High School. Where in freshman choir sang with none other than Barbara Streisand. They weren't really friends. They just would occasionally smoke outside together. (laughs) It was a different time. And then went to... um, Went to New York University. Did you know Neil Diamond was a D1 athlete? No. As a matter of fact, he was a part of the 1960 NCAA Men's Championship for fencing. He went there on a fencing scholarship. Can you still get that? Is is fencing still an NCAA sport? I believe it is. But who competes? Is it like Ivy Leagues of like New York University? They're not Ivy League, but and a in bit fact, more prestigious. Looking here, let's see here. Oh, doggone it! It gave me too big of a schedule. No, I thought it had just the fencing championship locations, but no. <laughs> uh, let's uh, see, Cameron what? Indoor will be the site for the national championship this year. Shout out to him. Shout out to Duke. Um, Nor- Notre Dame won the, na- won the last fencing national championship. It was their 12th. Good Lord. Bringing down the thunder. Let's see here. I got to look it up. I want to know who has won NCAA championships. Who's the latest? So Notre-, Notre Dame has won four of the last five. The other one was won by Columbia. So there you go. And they've won three of the last... Seven. Penn State, Princeton, Ohio State champions in 2012. Penn State won a couple of more. Notre Dame, Ohio State, Penn State, St. John's. Wow. Shout to Jamaica, Queens. Penn State won a Penn State won six in a row in the 90s. <laughs> it's it's a lot of the same programs. It's like just only six or seven have won all the titles in the last 35 years. like wrestling seems like every wrestling national championship is won by one of five schools have you ever looked up big 12 wrestling yes like and who's all the teams in that yes because i know it rather well north dakota state south dakota state northern colorado wyoming no wyoming stuck out west that's right um but those three were brought in as uh affiliate members of the conference because the number of teams in the conference had dropped so much. I was trying to find 
I'm on Big 12's website to see, like, if this would tell me who's all in the league, because there's no standings, right? Right. But yeah, you're right. Northern Colorado is a Big 12 wrestling school. South Dakota State. Wyoming. Of course, uh, Oklahoma State. West Virginia. Oklahoma. Iowa State. Hmm. I always thought, like, if K-State were to add a, add sports, I think it'd be pretty easy what to add. Wrestling for the men and then softball for the women. I think softball is where K-State could really do well. There's a lot of great softball mm-hmm. players here in the state of Kansas. But they always go to KU or Oklahoma. Oh, I'd forgotten Utah Valley was one of those teams that came over. All right, anyway. Sorry. Back to Neil Diamond. We got sidetracked. That's okay. Uh, sold over 130 million records worldwide, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2011, received a Kennedy Center Honors in 2018, 32 studio albums, 37 top 40 hits, first of three number ones. This is the only good one I think he has when it comes to the number ones. Sweet Caroline was not number one. It peaked at number four. It is from his sixth studio album, Tap Root Manuscript. Were you ever a Neil Diamond fan growing up? Not a big one, no. What is Cracklin' Rosie? Cracklin' Rosie is a bottle of wine. Mm -hmm. So the story is that Neil Diamond got the idea for this song. It's a folk story of an Indian tribe in northern Canada who had more men than women. And in the article that Rolling Stone wrote up about this, he said on Saturday nights when they would go out, the guys all met their girl. The guy that didn't meet a girl would end up getting a bottle of Cracklin' Rosie, and that's their girl for the weekend. Neil, man. I really handcuff my wit on this show because I'm really trying not to offend anybody in any way I can. <laughs> I had like four or five jokes. I could have, man, I could have gone on a on a run there of comedy. Save it for uh, if we ever do a not safe for work podcast. Anyway, so actually for Neil Diamond, this was his first American hit. He had previously gone number one as a writer. Did you know? I don't know if he was just a soul writer or if he was just one of those, uh, one of the writers on the sh- on the song. I'm a believer by the monkeys. Hmm. He had a hand in writing, and it's not his only number one hit about wine. Because did you know, he once upon a time released Red Red Wine mm-hmm. in '67. Just a minor hit though. However, it was covered later on by UB40. And that went number one a few decades later. It's annoying to me that people saw the movie Fever Pitch and they found out about what Red Sox fans do with Sweet Caroline. Bum, That's where I think I'm... I'm Convinced that's where everybody learned. Oh yeah, that tradition from that movie Fever Pitch with oh, yeah. uh, Drew Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon. I think it's a great movie, but it kind of ruined the song. Like everybody does it now, and it's not an individualistic thing anymore for the Red Sox. I remember hearing a story of the Pride playing Sweet Caroline at the Pinstripe Bowl. 
well, you know, that is the house of Yankee Stadium, and Yankee fans are well aware of what Sweet Caroline means to the Red Sox. And Syracuse fans did not respond too politely about that. <laughs> Apparently snowballs were heading that direction. Nice. All right, I suppose, uh, what do you think here, Troy? Should we take a short break? Yeah, we can catch that real quick. Okay, let's take a real quick break, and when we come back, Troy's going to hook us up with some Ask Us Anything questions after these words. Play it now, play it now, play it now, my baby. Putting a wrap on the game this afternoon at News Radio KMAN. Troy Coverdale, Mitch Fortner. Hello. Let's start off the asking of anything. Does anything good happen after midnight? Actually, I remember the rule was nothing good happens after 2 a.m. Correct. Because I, man, my friends could party until 6 a.m. And I was not interested. Bars closing, go home. I, I First of all, I'd probably want to go get something to eat and then call it a night. There's, I don't think there's any, unless there was a big after party happening. Once in a while that would happen, but not too often. I was ready to shut her down because nothing's going to happen. It's also, you're more likely if you're staying up to send a dumb drunk text to somebody and then <laughs> burn a bridge or ruin a relationship, you think you might get lucky and it doesn't happen and you make an ass out of yourself. Thank goodness that I was in college when texts weren't a thing. Well, I've been there. I've sent some dumb texts late at night. Who hasn't? Uh, especially with people my age. Uh, I, I think, no. Nothing too great really ever happens after... 2 a.m. Midnight is, yeah, I, I would go 2 a.m. Even in New Orleans. Well, that's a different story. Uh, I've had a lot of fun after 2 a.m. in New Orleans. <laughs> uh, going back to New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. That was a pretty fun night. I lost track of time. It, it was midnight after going to the park to watch the fireworks. Went back to Bourbon Street. Before I knew it, it was 3.30. I was like, Jesus, it felt like an hour went by. That was a good time, but that's also a different story. You're meant to have a good time after 2 a.m. What's the most ridiculous Wi-Fi name you've ever seen? There's only really one. Okay, maybe two. Um, Okay, so... Used to have a friend with the last name Beals. Not the if you went to high school with not not that Beals. Um, if you went to high school with me, it's a different one in college, and they had uh, Beals nuts. Okay, it was dumb. It was so dumb. But I don't. I don't want to. Again, they might be listening. I don't know if I want to offend them. Okay. Well. Okay. I'm just gonna say it. My neighbor currently has the Wi-Fi name Bachelor Pad. And his girlfriend lives with him. I thought that was a bit odd, but he's had it for a long time. It just hasn't been changed. I always do chuckle at the folks that will put such things as FBI, mobile unit, freak out others. Yeah, that's amateur hour. That feels like one that was like when Wi-Fi was becoming a thing. Oh, I can change the the Wi-Fi name. Let's change it to FBI headquarters. Well. I think we all know there's no FBI headquarters anywhere close. 
It's just the immaturity of it, just for the humor. Hey, neighbor, if you're listening, how have you gotten away so long with having your Wi-Fi, pat- or Wi-Fi name as Bachelor Pad and your girl's been living with you? She hasn't laid down the law. This gets changed today. Today. No tomorrow. No next week. Today. This very minute. I just say I forgot. Hey, I just don't know for, how to do it. Just for good measure, what's the last thing you Googled? Kevin McCuller stats <laughs> to see if he's been playing poorly for a while or has it just been recently? That would be, ladies and gentlemen, what we call prep for the show. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially when we're now doing the show. Maybe it was actually, it might have been Neil Diamond, but I can get on my phone. That would be a different story. My phone would be a different story. Let's see here. Hold on just a second. Uh, Brett Maher stats is 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 the last one. I was like, has he ever been this crappy before? He's been a cowboy a couple of times. Oh, my. Has he sunk this much? Talk about Tampa Bay game. That is perfect. All right. We got to bounce. Manhattan High Basketball online only tonight, 730. Cats start at 7 with pregame coverage at Iowa State. For Troy, I'm Mitch. We're out. Go Cats.